today on the Tearsheet Podcast. What we saw when we created Arca uh, was, you know, digital assets, crypto, or however people want to use it. And, and that's another problem, just the confusing nomenclature is so new. Um, and it was interesting as far as it is a financial or technology innovation or a fintech innovation uh, that it really wasn't driven by financial services. So it was a technology uh, innovation that came from an anonymous person. Um, you know, there was or much people. more energy or people, anonymous entity. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and that is very unusual for, uh, you know, a financial service offering. So by the time uh, that it had matured to the place where institutions could address it or were starting to think about the value proposition, it really wasn't in a form uh, that was familiar to them or, or useful. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. It's hard to differentiate between the hype around cryptocurrencies and what's fundamentally changing in the financial services industry. Our guest today on the podcast has a foot in both worlds. Rain Steinberg is co-founder of Arca, a digital asset manager. He was also a co-founder of WisdomTree, a pioneer in the ETF industry. Arca is an institutional-grade financial services firm investing in digital assets, as well as building products utilizing blockchain. The firm launched the Arca U.S. Treasury Fund, a closed-end registered fund issuing shares as digital securities that are transferable using blockchain technology. We talk about Steinberg's journey from running an upstart fund manager in ETFs to the new world of digital assets and how the two experiences parallel and where they diverge. We talk about what institutional and retail investors need when it comes to crypto and where the opportunities are to serve them. Rain Steinberg is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Rain Steinberg, uh, CEO and co-founder of Arca. Uh, Arca is an institutional grade asset manager focused on the digital asset space. Uh, so we create products for sophisticated investors to approach the asset class as an investment. Um, and we're also building uh, products that uh, leverage blockchain technology to create a better investor experience, meaning more liquidity, um, cheaper, faster. Um, and prior to this, I co-founded the ETF company, uh, Wisdom Tree, uh, in the early 2000s. Great. So we're going to get into all that, Rain. Um, just, just a quick question before we dive into your background. Um, so Arca is, is specifically for institutional or sophisticated investors. Is there intention? Why did you do that? And is there intention to bring in retail investors along the way? Uh, absolutely. Uh, what we saw when we created Arca uh, was, you know, digital assets, crypto, or however people want to use it. And, and that's another problem, just the confusing nomenclature is so new. Um, and it was interesting as far as it is a financial or technology innovation or a fintech innovation uh, that it really wasn't driven by financial services. So it was a technology uh, innovation that came from an anonymous person. Um, you know, there was or much people. more energy or people, anonymous entity, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and that is very unusual for, uh, you know, a financial service offering. So by the time uh, that it had matured to the place where institutions could address it or were starting to think about the value proposition, it really wasn't in a form uh, that was familiar to them or, or useful. Uh, they need things that they know are legal and regulated um, and that no matter what the return profile or the value proposition you're offering from something like Bitcoin, if it isn't in their understanding legal or going to run afoul of regulators or cause some problem with the other massive parts of their business, 
they're not going to address it. So we saw a white space uh, for a firm that was specifically addressing those concerns. So, you know, firming up narrative, creating institutional grade products, um, while, um, you know, in this space where there's al already, you know, retail ways to do it as, as the opportunity. And we see as those things become, uh, you know, more commoditized and bigger, uh, definitely pushing them out to retail. And we have retail offerings uh, in our slate and our coin and our, you know, our ARCA US Treasury Fund is also a 40X product, so appropriate for retail. So it's not really just institutions, but you know we do focus there uh, in the limited resource world. That that makes a lot of sense. So so let's switch gears um, to Wisdom Tree and and maybe start out by describing what Wisdom Tree was and how it departed, I guess, from from what else you know was surrounded it during that time. Sure, um, Wisdom Tree uh, is an innovative asset manager. Uh, they specialize in ETFs. An ETFs based on intellectual property that they created themselves. Um, I founded it with my brother and a third founder in the early 2000s, um, again, as an attempt to address an unmet need or an evolving issue in financial services. And what we saw there, and specifically uh, my older brother identified, he is my older brother and still the CEO of Wisdom Tree, uh, was that the firm iShares, which at the time was owned by Barclays, mm -hmm. uh, was taking this ETF uh, wrapper, which was, you know, added intraday liquidity, tax advantages, and a bunch of very, uh, you know, investor-friendly uh, options to investment vehicles. Um, and they had locked up all the intellectual property that was out there. So MSCI, Dow Jones, things like that. And the asset management world was basically thinking, well, with all that intellectual property locked up, uh, there really wasn't much to do with ETFs. And our thesis was, uh, there absolutely was, and could you create index indexes or uh, index methodology or investment schemes uh, that were interesting and differentiated and perhaps better um, than the underlying intellectual property of things like MSCI and Dow Jones, which when we think about them, even though they're passive and low fee, they weren't designed as investment products. They were designed as media products just to right. track the market. Mm -hmm. And so that was the birth of Wisdom Tree. Um, so we created dividend weighting um, we got the backing of Michael Steinhardt um, and Jeremy Siegel, and our venture partner was RRE, which also uh, led um, our venture round at ARCA. Mm -hmm. And I, the only thing of the entire thesis that I would say was incorrect and, and that led to that group uh, funding it was we really thought the funding would come from existing asset managers who mm -hmm. saw what was going on with iShares, that they were gathering assets that this low fee passive product was very dangerous to their high fee, you know, fee based selling, um, and that they would be very interested in a rational, um, you know, approach to that. And even if they didn't want, you know, low fee product to come, that they might look at Wisdom Tree as an option call on it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where we were completely incorrect. Uh, 200 uh, asset managers of varying levels of sophistication and size uh, passed on funding Wisdom Tree. Um, and that was eye opening in the sense of how resistant to change uh, financial services is, how hard it is to innovate in it when you have this heavy regulatory burden. Um, and also when you're dealing with fiduciaries of other people's money, that there's a lot of employment risk for going with something new. So there's just very little uh, reason to try something new and a lot of stickiness uh, to old products um, that may not be the best ones. And it's in times like that, that necessitate uh, the formation of a new asset management company, because normally you would push asset management products out of 
an existing asset management company. You don't have to recreate the brand, the distribution. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. It's only at these very, very transformational moments, things like ETFs, uh, blockchain, digital assets, where uh, there's just too much on the other side of the equation for existing players uh, to address it. Um, and it makes sense to start a new type of firm. So even though they didn't fund you, I mean, you, you guys were right uh, directionally, at least in terms of the threat um, about margin compression, about asset management fees, like that ETFs posed to the incumbent industry, right? Yes. That was what was fascinating about it is we, we really didn't get pushback on any part of our thesis when we were talking to them. It was an inability, I'd say philosophically, really to, to take that pill. Because if you do agree with it and then go forward, then you, now you are compressing and actively involved in that. And there's something I think that is just psychologically hard to overcome there. And looking back at it, I actually am quite glad that there was that resistance because it would have, if there was a very concerted effort by those large well-heeled players to do just that, um, there's a good chance they could have done it without a wisdom tree. Mm. or been faster in that manner. So they wouldn't, just because they recognize that wouldn't necessarily mean they would have had to partner with us. Um, they could have been much more aggressive competitors early on. So, so how much of that thinking and that, that I guess, ethos towards, towards the world informs what you're doing today at ARCA? Um, quite a bit. Uh, two points how so? um, in, the wis- yeah. in the Wisdom Tree story. That, that aspect, that a transformational change in financial services um, even though you're creating an asset management company, um, that there are times when it makes more sense to do this as a standalone company um, and that it's very hard for incumbent players, no matter their size or resources, to uh, innovate in that if the, if the disruption is significant enough. And I think blockchain technology is, and we'll go into that in a second. Um, also, in the Wisdom Tree uh, story, uh, we were getting to scale uh, right into the teeth of the financial crisis. And this was really not something I was that really aware of before uh, mounting debt and systemic risk and things like that. Uh, but as a publicly traded equity, uh, we traded down about 90% during the financial crisis and had a near near mortal um, type of event during that period, uh, all to do with systemic risk and nothing to do with ourselves. Um, so that really made me became aware of, of that. I read the Bitcoin white paper not exactly sure when, but when I did read it, it was an aha moment as like an incredibly elegant way uh, to address that. Um, And it it changed me forever. And I wouldn't say I became obsessed because I was still doing my actual job, but it was something that really injected an idea in my head that this was possibly a way to deal with that. And it wasn't at scale yet. It wasn't appropriate for institutions. It was too new. Um, But when it did come around back into my gaze, like really focusing on it in 16 and 17, uh, that th- this had reached that period and that there was an opportunity to do something similar to what we did at Wisdom Tree, create a new type of asset management company that addressed this asset class, uh, j- the same way that Wisdom Tree uh, had to tackle some problems around uh, ETFs uh, that were unique, um, that this type of asset management company, ARCA, uh, had similarly uh, unique challenges uh, to address. And that uh, even more so than the ETF revolution, the digital asset revolution, which really, uh, you know, decentralization, the destroying of trust premiums, things like that is even more dangerous or transformative to the traditional asset managers or financial service players, which makes it even harder for them to Mm -hmm. do uh, something like ETFs. 
Interesting. So, so can we talk about specifically what are those things, you know, your first clients needed from ARCA, you know, to get comfortable with the asset class? Sure. So the, the interesting thing is that there, there, there's two things that are very important here. Um, in an asset manager, you always have to create, we think, great products um, and great approaches and, and, you know, appropriately priced uh, first things. So always be investor friendly. Um, and that's something that the traditional world actually does do well, um, but those skills are very hard to port over here. So this asset class where if you were starting, let's say a hedge fund or an investment strategy for large cap equity, um, everything is very well known. The ideas about value are well-established. Um, there's a, a broad spectrum of service providers to choose from, uh, the, the way capital moves around through things like prime brokerage, uh, the banking system is well understood and intact. Uh, none of those things exist here. So things like custody, operations, um, even fund accounting um, are things that are developing um, along with our company. So there was a very large lift on getting uh, the operational excellence and the things that you need at a firm uh, that you wouldn't have had to start in another asset manager firm just to create uh, the right type of products. Uh, then there's philosophically uh, where something like this is in the spectrum of the evolution of a financial service transformation. And I'll just give you an example. Um, so I founded an ETF company which specialized in low fee passive products. Our flagship product on the investment side uh, at ARCA is a actively managed uh, hedge fund. And the reason that is, is because uh, right now in this space where we don't even understand value and there are so many asymmetries of information, there's a tremendous opportunity uh, for smart teams that research properly uh, to add value um, for that type of product. Uh, it's very hard to design a mechanical passive index in this space when the next great innovation in digital assets could be created and launched on this while we're on this phone call and actually start to scale and be meaningful in a couple of days. So it's very hard to uh, you know, create indexes and passive approaches to that. How do you weight them? Uh, you know, what goes in and out? Uh, so things like that, uh, that you have to kind of reframe the way you think of asset management, that this is a little bit more like the beginning, like trading uh, stocks under the pear tree, uh, you know, before there was a New York Stock Exchange, then uh, where we are in equities, uh, where passive and low fee is the way to go. So that's a problem. The, like creating those type of products, reframing your mind, getting the structures. And then I would say the other part of it, even more significant possibly is the narrative and talking to people about it. Uh, this is not a space where there is a well-understood nomenclature, um, where there's agreed upon ways of talking about everything. Uh, it's only 10 years old. And when we say 10 years old, that's looking back to Bitcoin. Uh, mm -hmm. Everything else is even newer than that. So that's, that's difficult. So when you're going to an investment, when we're dealing especially with institutional investors who are usually fiduciaries of other people's money, they're gonna have to communicate you know, to an investment committee, to their fiduciary, uh, what is going on here and to be educated enough. So you know, they don't run into the same problems of making like a healthcare allocation. You know, we have a thesis that you know, hospitalization is gonna go up, let's talk to some healthcare managers and that's very standard it's not even understood who you would talk to. It's not even understood that um, in dealing with companies like us, that even if you like our investment thesis, the biggest issue might be under operations 
or you could have a material event there. So that's the other part of this that we take very seriously is um, working on education, uh, bringing investors of all sophistications in at their own speed, uh, trying to speak in a normal way. You know, these are very heady times for our space and there's all, all sorts of players um, that weren't interested just a few months ago that are now quite certain this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, we try to, you know, stay in the middle and still talk rationally about these things in both times of contraction and expansion. And were those, so coming from, you know, an indexer, were those the skill sets that you describe in terms of the, the educational lift, the, the really being able to communicate um, what's going on in the back office and with custody and stuff like that, uh, were those new skills that you had to learn? Where did you, where did you find those skills? So I would say that um, when we look at ARCA and the skills that are necessary, it, I think that the, the founding team of myself, uh, Phil Liu and Jeff Dorman is instructive of the type of skills that you need mm -hmm. to bring together. Um, and I don't think they can necessarily be embodied in one person. Maybe they can, uh, but <laughs> you really need uh, great sophistication and specificity in a bunch of different areas. So I, I really have a background in building distribution, um, narrative, um, how you take something like a, an ETF family, communicate that out, the sales team, and all, all that aspect. So company building and um, the expansion of a branded asset manager, uh, that's portable to a lot of things. Um, Phil Liu, our chief legal officer and also co-founder, um, is probably one of the best uh, legal minds in the space. And on structuring, he created the structure, um, you know, that allows uh, the ARCA U.S. Treasury Fund to be the first, uh, you know, SEC, uh, not SEC approved, excuse me, uh, company investment company registered under the 1940 Act to, to transfer shares in the blockchain um, and the heavy lift that that was involved. But he also, uh, in a space where the regulatory environment is evolving so quickly, you really need to think about that aspect in all parts of this. That's on investment, that's on the way we structure things, um, that's on where the puck is going. So uh, that embedded resource, I think is absolutely necessary. And then Jeff Dorman, our CIO, um, who has 20 years of asset management experience um, in firms like Lehman, uh, Brenincourt, uh, Merrill, uh, and really specializing in illiquid securities and under, in understanding misunderstood and mispriced things I'm also a great early team, an early company uh, guy and, and a beast on creating content. Uh, th that group uh, and, and th that is the nucleus of the skills that I think you need for an asset manager. So we brought a lot of what we learned. And the interesting thing um, that you may have saw that I left out is an embedded technology uh, resource. Um, on our research side, we have uh, people that are very uh, steeped in this technology and understand it. But the building of the technology, especially for something like Arcoin, um, which is built on Ethereum, um, we use an outside outsourced service provider, TokenSoft, um, and a standard that they developed called the 1404 standard to allow us to launch uh, regulated products. Now they had a better expertise in that. Um, and the real secret sauce was how do you marry that technology with what they're doing with the underpinnings and underworkings of the traditional financial system to get something that people can use now that would be approved by regulators or given exemptive relief um, in an evolving world. So that's the, uh, the kind of resource 
um, you know, group that we brought together. It doesn't have to be that way, but we, that's, that's where we went. That makes a lot of sense. So, so if I understand correctly, you have like the hedge fund piece, which is a digital asset manager in the sense that you're investing in digital assets. And then our coin is uh, an asset manager or a platform for products built on blockchain, right? Investment products built on blockchain. A little. Um, we basically think about um, the company um, like this, Arca Funds, um, where the digital asset fund, which is our flagship investment product, and we, act, and we have a, a suite of products that are also prepared to be launched there mm-hmm. as they get up to scale. And as the investor um, group that comes are more specific and you know understanding, like right now, people are very binary about how they want to address the space. Uh, do I want to be in or out? And often that means Bitcoin. Um, And then once they learn a little bit more, they realize that there's actually other things to do. Um, So we see us launching not just um, hedge funds uh, in that umbrella, but also um, passive low fee as we deem them appropriate. We're always trying to do the best of breed Mm -hmm. over there. So that's to express investment views. And then the other side of the business, which launched Arcoin or the Arca US Treasury Fund, uh, we call Arca Labs. They have much more mundane legal names under the umbrella, but Arca Labs is our innovation arm where we are innovating uh, financial products that leverage blockchain technology. And something like Arcoin or the Arca US Treasury Fund, where that is the first one, where it is a 40 act fund that uh, represents uh, a tokenized uh, version of short duration US treasuries, which fills a lot of utility in this space, that wrapper, um, which we like to call uh, the BTF or blockchain traded fund, is actually as flexible as the ETF. So the, the hard and fundamental work we're doing there of getting our coin on systems, um, getting early use cases, that will translate to other asset management products based on that structure. Um, just like the first ETF, you know, was the spider. Um, and you know, that did a lot of work on people understanding ETFs and the benefits. Similarly, we think our coin will on that ecosystem. It's just more complex as there is no you know, established exchange environment. This is all very new. So this would be akin to building ETFs when really you didn't even have an exchange yet. So there's a little wow. bit more fundamental work to do, yes. Yeah, that's wild. Um, and so we have time for one last question, Rain. Um, you, you mentioned quite a few things that you're working on that will be launching. I'm just kind of curious about like your biggest priorities looking out into 2021. What should we expect from you? You know, what what the biggest challenges, biggest opportunities, big audacious goals, whatever you got. 2021, I think, is going to be a very big year in this space. Um, we're launching multiple products um, on the asset management side, and we are continuing uh, to uh, work on getting our coin, uh, the fund, the heavy fundamental work to do there. But I would say that the thing to look out for is some innovative investor-friendly products on the asset management side um, and in very short order, uh, those will be coming out. Rain, great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thanks so much, Zach. Have a great day.